we are entering in the most amazing times and God just blows my little socks off all the time. He really does. I just um, I was watching somebody who was speaking at uh, Bill Hybels Church in the Bible school and the first DVD he had, he kicked off his shoes and there were his little red socks. I thought, that's great. And then the next DVD, he had his socks off and he has bare feet. He must have been standing on holy ground or something. But, you know, I think that's the key thing. I was watching that man and I thought, he is comfortable with God. And we need to be comfortable with our God. And your God's been speaking to you and to me the last few weeks, especially on generosity. We've had wonderful teachings on generosity, generous heart, tithings, generous church, journeying to um, a generous spirit. And this morning I really feel I want to build on this and that's the generosity defines our identity. Generosity defines our identity. There is a miraculous generosity that God wants to bring through you and out of you. And if you don't grasp that, it's very hard for him to actually impart stuff to you. And this morning I want to share some truths. I'm going to put my glasses on. I can't see out there properly, but I can see down here wonderfully. <laughs> but I want to share some truths with you that the Holy Spirit has shown me and has really challenged me to walk in this. And for some of you, you will already be doing this. You will already have that revelation. But I believe when I was praying this morning that God, and over the weeks, that God wants you to go a further. And he's saying, lift your eyes higher. If you know this revelation, just don't say, oh, I've seen that, or I know that. No, he's saying, go higher, lift your eyes higher, lift your heart, open up even more. Come higher with me. And for others that where it's new, I pray that the Holy Spirit really causes an excellent and excitement in your spirit and more of the word. Was that rain? Brilliant. I have wonderful encounters when it pours with rain. I really do. And I challenge you, never let the rain put you off. Never let the rain stop you going out. Because I have had the most tremendous, tremendous encounters and revelations when it's been the most stormiest days. When we were driving here, Graham said to me, he said, it amazes me how it's, the rain stays up in the heavens and then it comes down. It amazes me how God's generosity is up there in the heavens and he wants to pour it down. And the key thing is for us and all this is to be open. His eyes are down on us, but he needs our eyes looking up to him. Because if our eyes are not looking up to him, we won't hear him, we won't see him, and we will miss him. That's a little scripture in Acts where... The 120 are in the room to have a most amazing encounter with God. Tongues and flames and all sorts of things. And they tumble out of that room and into the streets. And you know there was a festival going on at this. This not in my notes. It's just coming, so I'm going. Um, but there was a festival going on. And there were thousands, tens of thousands of people there. And you know only 3,000 captured that move of God. 3,000 out of the tens of thousands. I don't want to be one of those that miss it. I know you don't want to be missing it. So there's a word that's come through this month regarding finances and I don't understand the timings of it, but if God has caused that to be spoken in this church, that says to me I need to get my antennae up. And if God is saying that there are miraculous generosities he wants to pour through us, I'm getting my antenna up. I want to hear. Because when it comes through me, yes, it blesses me, but it imparts and expands the kingdom of God in incredible ways. And it's not our responsibility to see that it works. It's our, um, our responsibility to receive it and let it flow through. 
So I really want to start off afresh. Well, no, I don't. I want, yes, I do. <laughs> I do. But being with God needs to be an adventure for you. It needs to be an adventure. And if you do that, you'll find life will be very different. It doesn't mean there are not tears. That doesn't mean there are not challenges. That doesn't mean to say there won't be some disappointments. But if you see it as a journey and you see it as an adventure, you will actually go to where he wants you to go. Now, I'm going to start afresh. And I'm going to start with John 3.16, a wonderful, famous scripture that we must hold dear in our heart. But I want to have a look at it from a slightly different angle. For God loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So I want you to notice the word love. He loved before he gave. And the question I want you to ask yourselves, did God have anything given to him in return? He loved, he gave, did he expect a return? Yes, he did. He got a harvest of souls and people to walk and talk with and people to love with. And that's an example and a principle. I was starting to think that Greg was taking my message this morning when he started that. What that says is that we are connecting in the spirit realm. What he shared over, over the offerings was brilliant. So as we love and as we give, then to, we too are going to receive. And it's a principle that God has put in place. Whether you like it or not, he's put it in place. And if you plant a seed, an apple seed, you are going to get an apple tree and you are going to get apples and you're going to get that sark on it. Same with us. If we love and we give, then we're going to receive. Which takes me on to my second scripture, which is Luke 6.38. And it's a marvellous little few verses prior to it which will cover every area from frustration to judgment to giving and everything. But the key verse I want to pick up here is give to others as God will give to you. Indeed, you will receive all a full measure, a generous helping poured out into your hands, all that you could hold. The measure you use for others is the same measure that will be used for you. That is so key. And 20 years ago, you know how sometimes you hear little examples and different illustrations, and this one's been with me for at least 20 years, and it's that same giving. The measure you give out is the measure that comes. And it was concerning a pastor. He'd gone to visit this lady who'd been in this church for many years, and she had to go into retirement. And when he got there, he found his, her son was very angry at God and very angry at the church. And he said, why? You know, the pastor started inquiring. And as he dug deeper, she was a lady that loved going visiting. And she was a lady that always took Afghans. But she never gave financially. So what? And the pastor said, what's coming to her? Oh, she has lots of visitors. And the Afghans that she gets, it's amazing. See, for the measure she gave, is the measure that came back. And this is what God is trying to really say to us. You know, the measure you give, it will come back. And the principle here is generosity is at the heart of the Father. And, but he wants it happening in all areas of our lives. And this is what brings a balance. This lady didn't balance it out. It was all in one area. And she was getting an abundance. It's like when we tap into aerodynamics. We tap into flight. You tap into God with giving and you tap into something we cannot explain. We tap into reaping and sowing. Generosity, a generous spirit is a divine design, divine love from heaven and earth. And I want to say to you, I haven't actually got any points because when I was praying, 
I felt God want to say to you, move and listen with your spirit this morning afresh. Because he wants you wants to speak deep into your spirit and say, that's the point I want you to catch. That's the point I want you to walk in. That's the point I want you to take further. So I haven't actually got any points there, but Holy Spirit has. When you move into this area, it challenges your pockets. Who knows that? <laughs> challenges your pockets. Right, that's good. <laughs> but it's interesting. I've moved into a new position out there um, in a glow. And I'll explain a little bit more there. But in doing so, it's really connected me incredibly with Christchurch, which been, has been that dreadful, dreadful earthquake. I was there actually just, I left flew out on the Sunday and wonder why the, um, the pilot was saying we're going to be flowing a lot lower. You'll be able to see the kaikouras and things. I was oblivious to the explosions that was going on. Of course, then the next day they had that dreadful earthquake. But following on from the February earthquake, I had a leader who was based down in South Otago. Not a lot of money, but God spoke to her. And so she rallied the troops. She went to the churches and they sent up an abundance of Easter eggs up to the people after the February one. Because sometimes you don't always get those things. Another one up in, um, further up the island, she um, felt she wanted to take, take some baking, send some baking. Because when you start baking, it starts cutting into your finances and things like that. Then she rallied the troops, went to the churches. They sent over a ton of baking down to Christchurch. Yeah, it is well. We are nothing on ourselves. And sometimes we think, oh, we don't have much. But when you start moving out, by golly, it starts multiplying in God's bank account. I had an exciting time too going down there because somebody had sent me from the Iglo um, in Australia just over $2,600. So I went in the office, what's with all this money, $2,000? <laughs> but it was interesting. And I went to the bank and said, this money's been given to me to give to these Iglo women who've gone, but what do you do when someone's lost a house? How do you share that 2,600 with someone who's just had to have a roof redone and the ceilings and it's um, 10,000? What do you do if someone's had nothing damaged in their house but their heart is so shattered? As we prayed, we decided we would write and print off a beautiful card, put who it's from, and that's when I went to the bank with this money and I said, I want the best notes. And they rummaged through and gave me their best $50 notes and their best $5 notes. And each card had $55 in it. So I held my head and paid quite close. But you should have seen the light on their faces. It wasn't the money. It was knowing that someone over in Australia was praying for them and loving them. And I got a, um, it's really funny how that money's been spent because I said there are no restrictions. God has said do this, to send it to you, and he will show you what to do. And do you know what one lady did after that um, Monday one, she emailed me and she said, I didn't know what to do. I don't like hot chocolates, but the Spirit of God said, take the $5 and go and have a hot chocolate. You know? <laughs> don't understand it. But it's what she needed at that moment, and that was God's way of healing her and helping her through. It is shattering what's going on. I've been ringing with these ladies down there, and they're great in their spirits. But you can hear the shake in them. You know, speak God's word into the, into the ground. We're kingdom people. We are connected with them. Speak the life into the ground of Christchurch. Get it to stabilize. There is a sense that another one is coming, so we mustn't go into fear. We need to hear the Spirit of God. Yes, it challenges our, our pockets. It challenges what we think. 
Because so often when God starts to move in, in this area, we'll say, oh no, can't afford that. And no, that's too little. And we start dismissing things. We even start saying, no, I can't afford it with our mouths. And do you know what you're doing? We're speaking lack. We have got a poverty mentality in New Zealand and we've got to come back and lift ourselves because we've got a very good and generous and prosperous God. And so we need to speak life. We need to guard our words. It challenges us. And what we think and do, and I love that um, example you gave of Bayless Connolly, and I'm going to retell that story, and I've actually told it a few times. And Bayless Connolly was standing in the supermarket, and who knows Bayless Connolly? Anyone? Yes, brilliant man. And he was one that was saved when he was in a, in a park, absolutely desperate, and a little boy with cowboy shoes walked past him, and it was the aroma of the Spirit of God that went past him and stuff. He followed this little boy through the park and this little boy led him to the Lord. So you have a sweet aroma when you go through places. You may not know it, but you do have a sweet aroma. Anyway, he was in the supermarket and you're standing there waiting and God said, go and stand on your head by the Coca-Cola machine. And he had this tug of war. Go and stand on that. He said, no. And then because of his connection with God, he said, oh, he did. And he stood. And no sooner had he stood on his head by the Coca-Cola machine, a woman over here screamed who was going at the checkout, and she was saying to God, I'm giving you one more chance to prove that you're real, and if you're real, you'll get someone to stand on their head over the Coca-Cola machine. You see, sometimes you don't know why God asks you to do things. That's not, what, that's not the point. Go and do what he says to do. Sometimes you feel like you're shaking and standing on your heads. That doesn't matter. Go and do it. Just go and do what the Spirit of God says because you are saving someone. You are touching someone. You are extending the kingdom of God. And I don't understand everything that's going on at the moment, but I'm, I'm moving and I'm getting um, closer to God. So if we know that we love before we give and we're to expect a return, especially when it comes to finances, We've got to be careful we don't give with the wrong motive. Because there's a scripture that says 30, um, what's it, 30, 60, 100 fold, whatever. So if you give your finances thinking you're just going to get, to get back, you're going to come a cropper. And that's not right. But if you give when the Spirit of God says something to you or brings a word, in a real ream of word as you're reading your Bible and you give, then you know it's going to come back to you and you know it's going to extend the kingdom of God. And there was a speaker here, Marcus Arden, some of you will remember from years ago. There's one thing he said, because I tell you what, when you start moving into finances, you then have this little enemy saying, oh, you're going to get into greed. Oh, you're going to get into pride. But he said something I'll never forget. He said, when you tithe, when you give your offerings, when you give to the poor as lending unto unto God, when you take care of your own family, when you put monies in seven or eight places, as it says in Ecclesiastes, casting your bread, put in, that's your bank accounts, and you take care of your family, you will not go into greed and you will not go into pride and you will have your finances going 24 hours a day. It's huge and we need to take comfort in that. We are now, what we're doing, operating in two bank accounts. We've got a bank account down here on earth and we're now depositing in our bank account up there. I understand how the one down here works, but I don't understand how that one up there works. But we have a God of abundance and we have an enemy that's on a budget. We've got a God who is abundant 
and the enemy that will try and keep us in a budget. And he wants to try and control the kingdom of God. And we're not having it, are we? I hear that. We're not going to have it, are we? <laughs> God says in Isaiah one nineteen, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So it's not for me to understand how it all works out up there in that heavenly realm. It's up to me to love and to give where God points me in the direction of. I just, um, and you know, like the scripture says, take care of the widows in Acts 6. And we've got a women's um, function that will be coming up later on and it's going to be run by Pip and it's, we're going to have a clothes swap. Awesome, I think so. That's good. I like bargains and I like things like that. But we're going to charge $5. Why? Because that $5 is going to go to Lynette Tobin. Who remembers Lynette Tobin, our speaker that we had at Palin? Awesome woman of God. She's connected up with Mumbai, which is in India. And so that $5 is going to go to her and she's going to buy saris to take across to the widows of Mumbai. So we're actually sowing overseas. So we're blessing here, but we're blessing and expanding the kingdom of God there. And when I told Helen, uh, Edward, she said, oh, I've got lots of saris. I can give you some. <laughs> and, I'm, you know, it, and do you know how that started? By a very wealthy woman walking across a park, seeing a white cloth under a bush, and she said to somebody, what's that? Oh, that's a widow. Nobody had picked up that dead body and the dogs were at it. You see, we don't know how God's going to use us, but if he says to do this, we do that. So these saris are going to, the money's going to go across to help build, um, buy these lovely ladies' saris. We know God, our Father, when we accept Jesus as our Saviour. And when we believe Jesus is our Lord and he is our King, but then when we start believing that we are the sons and daughters of God, we go into a different level. We go into a different realm. We look, believe differently. We receive differently. We become intimately differently. We start identifying with him and we just can't help but give. But then when we accept God, who says we are, which is the bride of Christ, and I'm sorry, gentlemen, you are a bride as well. <laughs> you are the bride of Christ. You come into a whole new level of intimacy and revelation. It's like anyone you want to be with. You know, if you've got a husband and wife or a young couple, you, you whisper, you become very intimate and you hear things and you share things and you go places you wouldn't normally go places. You do things you wouldn't normally do things. You spend money that you wouldn't normally spend. And this is what happens when you're with the bride, with the groom. You start doing things and he opens up doors. I love a statement that Michelangelo said. He, you know, he was complimented on um, his beautiful statue, the marble of David. And they said, you've done a wonderful carving. And he said, no, no, I've just revealed what was there. You see, when you become intimate with Jesus and you start doing things and giving things like this, he starts revealing who the real you is. You're not mingy. You've got compassionate hearts. You've got generous hearts. You've got hearts that long to share what God has done in your life with others to see them set free. See, I love this. Because if I get caught, it reminds me, I used to be in a prison in shyness. And I think, eh, to you, Satan, you thought you had me. That God peeled back all those things that were there and revealed and started revealing the real me. And he does that too. When, as you start sharing, as you do different things, and the measure you give out, you find, you start seeing who is there. I'm going to share something now with you. 
It does involve me, but I want you to take me out of the picture and I want you to see the hand of God. April 10th, or 10th, yes, last year in April, I was looking in their bedroom and I was looking down at my little green suitcase. And Graham and I, for various reasons, have been travelling quite a little bit between February, or January and this period of time. So this little green bag, my travelling suitcase, had never been out of my bedroom and always seemed to be full. And April, I looked down at it and I said, God, I rather like that full. And I felt something go off in my spirit. And I thought, I want to travel. Hmm. I went to a board meeting, a global board meeting, a couple of weeks later, and the opportunity came up and they said, there's a space here for him to go to Samoa on a mission outreach. And before I could do anything, I said, I want to go. And then a couple of weeks after that, I was actually standing on here on the auditorium and I was sharing about how God had put it on my heart to go to Samoa. And then that night, the couple came up to me and said, I want to, um, I want to, I'll use the word invest, which it was, it was vesting in the kingdom of God. And I want to pay you expenses. So I ended up at the end of May going to Samoa and I ended up being with a group and we spoke in villages. We had a tent meeting. I've come back with a promise that I would pray in 2,000 white uh, chairs. And I thought, why would you want 2,000? Because they've got so many little areas they want to sow. Isn't that awesome? So that's on my heart there. I'm praying that in. But while I was there, I heard God say, I want you to go to um, Reading. I want you to go to America and see what's happening there at Bethel Church which I did do in September. And in October, I went down to Christchurch to another conference and somebody there who was from Australia said to me, I believe you're moving into a new mantle. A new mantle's coming upon you and it's going to break shackles. It's going to do this and it's going to do that. So I tucked that away. And then in December, I was asked if I'd accept a new position, which is the president of Globe for New Zealand. I thought, oh my goodness. And what I find out by stepping into that position, I'm now on the regional Pacific Council with Fiji and Australia and... Um, um, American Samoa and I'm actually now president of the Glows in Samoa it's interesting isn't it and of Tonga and Vanuatu I don't quite know what it's all about but you know I mean <laughs> I've got to now go to America um, in September to go to it's Houston where the Worldwide Conference is and um, I had my first meeting over there and last week I could see another vision coming into, into being a vision that had been up in God's realm but is now actually starting to birth. Since 1991, I've had a picture of myself, and don't, I can't explain it, I've had a picture of myself standing on the stage speaking in tongues in Japan. Last week, an, an, um, an email invitation came across from our international president of Aglow, and she requested that Noriko from the Japan um, Aglow and myself stand on the podium and share a little bit about what's happening in Christchurch and how God is helping and working through. We'll be standing before 165 countries and possibly 3,000 to 6,000 people are going to be there. Well, a question I want to ask you is, what have I said to that little green bag? No, and dismiss that thought. I can't afford that. I'm not going to accept that little click in my spirit of travel. What if when the door of opportunity came to go to Samoa and I said, no, I can't afford that? What if those people who had got a quickening in their spirit to come and help pay the expenses, what if they hadn't said that? None of these things would have happened. And my question to you would be, God's putting thoughts and dreams in your hearts 
They're all part of the kingdom of God, part of what he has destined for this church and part of what he's, which is going out to the bigger thing. Dreams, that dream of me standing on that stage has been 20 years. I've had lots of opportunities to dismiss it, but God keeps bringing it afresh. What dreams has he put in your heart, which isn't for there, but it's for the future? What is he saying for you to do into businesses? What is he giving you in desires in your workplaces? What's he giving you desires, you know, students going to university and people who are um, looking after children and taking in the care of children? What is he saying to you? See, the measure you use for others is the same measure that is going to be measured back. I mean, this opportunity of going to America again, I t- I, I'm just in awe of God. Do you know what I want to do? I literally want to be on my hands and knees and, and just crawl everywhere. I just, it just blows me away because there's nothing but God. The goodness of God. And the goodness of God is what he has for you too. And he's got lots of dreams and visions and things. And it's for you to be blessed, but it's for you to also bless others and extend his kingdom so the gates of hell shall not prevail. When I go away, I don't go by myself. I go with the blessing of my husband and family. I go with the blessing of my life group. I don't see much of them and Charles and, and Helen are very understanding. They've got my itinerary. They know exactly where I am and they pray me in. And it was interesting, Dean was saying this morning, he said, but you're a missionary. I thought, oh, I am because in this new job, I am traveling around New Zealand quite a bit and I am on the emails and I'm encouraging. And See, God will have you in the place where you can encourage, you can bless, and finances, all sorts of things. We've got an incredible, incredible God. Through the cross, the whole world is reconciled to Jesus. But they have to accept it, and that's where we do come in. Charles calls me the tall poppy. (laughs) God calls you the tall poppy. Too many people want to chop our heads off. Too many people want to stop the word of God out. And you know when you stop being able to share where God wants you to go, you start feeling inadequate. You start stop feeling fulfilled. And God wants you feeling fulfilled and satisfied. Because it takes you into a new place of joy and, um, and pleasure. When you tithe and when you give offerings, you do go into that bank account. Those ones that travel with me and the ones that have invested in prayers and finances, it's going into their heavenly bank account so that when time comes for their resources and their missionary needs and their ministry needs, God gets it through to them. But I love this testimony too and and it was from a man who was going bankrupt and he is tithed, he was a Christian, he tithed and he gave offerings and called out to God and then one night God gave him a dream and some plans so he took it to an engineer, he took it to an uh, electrician and said, can this work? And out of it was birthed the fan ovens, which are in all the bakeries right throughout. There are lots of dreams and visions and um, inventions that God wants to birth, especially through the Christians. Look at all the different awards that go out. A lot of them are Christians because God has inspired them. God has given them that dream. There is. An incredible, miraculous generosity that God wants to pour through us. Spiritual warfare isn't just taking authority over the enemy. It's about discovering the sovereignty and the majesty of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's very, very important to rejoice in that and celebrate in it. 
prophecy like the one he put in my heart, which I know he's put into your heart, plants deep into the soil of God's affection. And he's put it there in you, and you're going to keep it protected so nobody sabotages it, no one takes it away, then it's in the soil, and it's going to grow, and it's going to come. It's all part of his kingdom. The enemy wants to intimidate and keep us small, and we're saying, no, we're not. We're daughters of this and sons of the Most High God. We are the bride, and we're going to fulfill what God has called us to do. And I just want to finish with this um, awesome scripture from um, Jeremiah 33:11, And it's one that my sister gave me. It was actually in a little book. It's called, Satan Can't Steal Your Joy, He Can't Steal Your Goods. And that stopped us going bankrupt. And it's actually from Genesis 4, 6 to 7. And it's where um, God goes to Cain. He says, why are you downcast? Why, why is your countenance like that? Where's your smile? Because Satan is tapping at your shoulders. The voice of joy and the voice of gladness. The voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. The voice of them that shall say, praise the Lord of hosts. For the Lord is good and for his mercy endures forever of them that shall bring forth a sacrifice of praise. Praise the Lord because of the house, praise into the house of the Lord, for I will cause the return of captivity as at the first said the Lord. The voice of joy, that's two people loving in agreement, that, that is you and Jesus, the bride and the bridegroom, bringing heaven through onto earth. God's pouring into you and he wants you to pour out into the others. He's pouring into you to pour out into others. When you tithe and when you give offerings, when you give to the poor and take care of your family, put things in all those different bank accounts, you're going to find you're moving in an incredible way. Our God is for us. Our God is greater. Our God is strong. And what he asks us, we want our God to be glorified. So we just sing a song that glorifies our God because if you can hold that the joy and have a countenance on your face, that doesn't mean to say that you're not going to have a few tears, but there is a joy that comes out of us, a real strength that means, means that we can walk through all sorts of things and releases all sorts of things from heaven through into our God. God be glorified in your lives. God be glorified. And I really declare that. God be glorified in your lives. Let the abundance of God flow through you. Do not be afraid. You have got a spirit of life and joy. Bring pleasure to your God. Bring goodness to God. Let's just go with it.